Coalfield and Company, live at the Thomas and Matt. Here in the fourth quarter, Booker attacking. Booker on the left block gets the and one. Off the backboard and in, she is fouled. Big time bucket there by Essence Booker. Winners attacking to the left block. Splits the defense and has the shot rejected by Young. Just spiked that ball there like a volleyball nice. setter. And the Lady Rebels in year number two under head coach Lindy LaRock are going to the Mount West Conference Tournament Championship. We got ourselves a championship game in Las Vegas. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Candy's here, Finley Toyota Studios. Ari is working the controls, Thomas and Mac. Beginning of the men's field, also a big day for the Lady Rebels after the three men's games are done. The ladies take the floor, go for the automatic bid around 7 o'clock. So tournament week is here. We had some crazy stuff going on over the Pac-12 tournament at T-Mobile. In total, when you think about it, it's pretty incredible what we put on here in Vegas. 106 Basketball teams in town starting last week. And we're in the middle of a 10-day span of all these games. Pretty amazing stuff, right, Candy? And it just gets bigger and bigger every year. It's enormous. And it's actually now going on, you know, down the street from where I live in Henderson. Uh, The Big West Tournament is opening up the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson right now. So it's pretty amazing how this has grown over the course of the years. And... What I can't seem to uh, what I can't seem to figure out here is why we're not going to fill up that Thomas and Mack Center tonight, Cofield, for the Lady Rebels' first time in damn near twenty years. That this team has been in the championship game. Uh, I would love to see that building as full as possible. Should happen and would be a crowning achievement to what is one of the quicker turnarounds we've seen in basketball. Right, UNLV Lady Rebel program was okay under uh, Ko. Kathy Olivier and Lindy LaRock has come in and put up a top four finish in year number one and then won the league this year, has a deep team, lots of scorers, good defense, team that gets stronger, it seems, in the second half. So we'll see what happens tonight, and we'll uh, we'll talk to Coach Lindy LaRock on game day, which we very much appreciate. I wouldn't do an interview on game day. I'd be too intense with a bit on the line, but she's going to talk to us in about an hour. All right, let's do it. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. So more quarterback moves, Candy, and uh, this one has been greeted with a little bit of excitement, but sadly a lot of chuckling. Carson Wentz gets moved. The Colts get from out under all that money, and I don't think Wentz is terrible, but in the end, where they needed to go, they couldn't get to the Colts. And the Wentz experiment came up a lot short, and now he is a member of the Washington football team, newly named the Commanders. <laughs> okay, Carson Wentz, that's your solution. Cool. Good job, Snydog. I'm really, really proud of you. Uh, you managed to trade for a guy who finished 34th in pff grade two years ago for a guy who managed to finish oh i don't know down next to jalen hurts this past year quarterback rating um yeah good luck with that uh i like how it evolved for washington steve this really makes me happy uh reportedly 
the Washington football team offered three first-round picks to Seattle for Russell Wilson. Um, And they now ended up with Carson Wentz and his entire $28 million salary and having to give up multiple picks to get him. Ari, Ari, fill me in, buddy. Dan Snyder and Carson Wentz, you guys are going to do great together. What a match made in hell. Poor Carson Wentz, who's a man of faith, seems like a decent guy, not a great quarterback, going with one of the slimiest owners in all of sports. And for football team fans who dream of good times ahead and going to the offseason thinking they're like every other team, I've been telling you for the last couple weeks, Players know who the owners are. And when you're a dirtbag and you allow 20 years plus of abusing your employees, especially your female employees, that stuff gets around, man. The guy's a yutz. He's Jimmy Dolan on steroids. Players don't want to play for dirtbags. And as long as this guy, the snide dog, you know, the five foot five frat boy for life the snide dog as long as the snide dog's around this is gonna be what the commanders are which is at best kind of a mid-level team that when people have a choice to play in washington or go elsewhere they're gonna go elsewhere or stay elsewhere so this is what you get you get kind of a desperation deal for guys making a ton of money who is at best a top half of the league quarterback when he's on You have Carson Wentz having been in the league for the better part of five-plus years now, and he has had one, count it, one season above average in terms of his pro football focus grade, in terms of his football outsiders DVOA. He is, at best, as you said, a league average quarterback, and I saw a really interesting piece of data from Rob Bazuda, who works with Warren Sharp, and he put basically... The heat map of completed throws, incompleted throws for the entire season last year. Carson Wentz with the Colts and Taylor Heineke with the Washington Football Commanders Redskins team. And guess what? They were exactly the same. They were the same. You could have kept Heineke enrolled with him for another year. You could have re-signed Ryan Fitzpatrick for less than $28 million and gotten a better performance than you're going to get out of Carson Wentz. But you know what? As, a, as an NFC East fan, sure, man. Sounds good. Don't get good. I, I really don't want to have to talk about how the Washington Commanders are turning it around. It would hurt me. Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield and Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. Russell Wilson is going to the Denver Broncos. One of the biggest trades in my career. This is one of the biggest in my career of doing NFL sports talk and all this stuff. This is as big an NFL trade as I ever remember. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins to lay down the law only on ESPN Las Vegas. Got the herd all fired up. 
yesterday about the Russell Wilson deal. So he's in the division now, AFC West. Let's get into some legal topics, talk a little football, a little hockey with our uh, insider, our legal insider, Justin Watkins, who's over at Battleborn Injury Lawyers today. Justin, how you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I'm a little little worried about uh, our Golden Knights, but uh, you know what? This There's a easy schedule up ahead. I know the Flyers were easy, mm-hmm. but the Flyers always, for some reason, beat Golden Knights. Uh, so big game tomorrow night. See how that goes. Definitely need to get more than 50% of the points on this road trip. Um, we should get you know, hopefully something like seven points. Um, but they're not playing great. Candy, you confident they're going to get seven points? I would have been confident if the Golden Knights from the first half of the season were still around right now. But that was the Golden Knights squad that was beating the teams that it was supposed to be. This Golden Knights team is the one that needed Jack Eichel to bail them out against the Senators and then just looked as flat as a board against the Flyers. Yeah, I will say, though, last night was a weird night. Um, you know, like the Devils beat Colorado, scored five on them. Tampa Bay gave up seven goals. Uh, you know, the, the Blackhawks scored eight. It was just a weird night. Most uh, favorite teams lost last night. Uh, so I'm not going to con- consider it a trend yet. But the Golden Knights haven't been playing great for 10 games now. Uh, you know, we, we won some games ugly. And uh, we lost last night kind of ugly uh you know we should score more than two goals but even that being said the two goals that went in against Leonard were both pretty ugly so uh, you know they gotta they gotta get it figured out pretty soon thankfully everybody in the Pacific lost last night so they didn't lose any ground let's get to some of the legal stories out there grand jury on Friday uh, explain what the grand jury does and now well, what's happening here with Deshaun Watson and the grand jury I mean, the grand jury could be used for any purposes the DA wants. I mean, it it is basically a test case for a DA to try out some legal theories to see what the public thinks about um, the charges and whether or not they rise to the level of a crime to see whether or not they want to move forward with with the case. Now, sometimes you use the grand jury for PR purposes, political purposes to, you know, sort of cover your behind. If you choose to or choose not to prosecute some some high profile case uh, in this instance, Rusty Harden, Watson's attorney, has indicated that uh, they have asked for Deshaun Watson's side of the story to present to the grand jury, uh, which Rusty Harden says indicates the grand jury is likely to um, recommend charges. Um, but it also, to me, could mean just as much uh, from a political standpoint that the DA wants cover for not pressing charges and wants to give the grand jury as an objective reading of the case as possible so that if the grand jury comes back and says, we don't think that charges uh, should go forward, that the DA can say, look, it, we, we presented a fair case to them. They didn't recommend charges. We're not. We're not prosecuting this case. I feel like every time uh, some nugget comes down about this case with Deshaun Watson, uh, the analysis is, "Oh, man, he's in trouble." And I saw the note just a little while ago: uh, Deshaun Watson, sexual assault accuser, subpoenaed to testify before the grand jury on Friday. What does that mean? It doesn't. It doesn't mean he's in any more or less trouble than he was, <laughs> you know, thirty seconds ago when I was just describing kind of where this process right. is. It all depends upon why the DA is doing the grand jury in the first place. He doesn't have to. 
So it's his choice to move forward with the grand jury, and he can use that for whatever purposes he wants. Really, um, he could give them a very one-sided account of the chart uh, of the case and very likely produce charges. Um, you know, and get an indictment. I mean, the, the old saying is you can get an indictment from a, of a ham sandwich with, with, with a grand jury, uh, or you could use it as political cover. So I don't know. I'm not in the DA's head. I'm not, certainly not in the grand jury room. No, no press is, um, you know, technically we're not even supposed to know that the grand jury is going on, but we do, uh, because of the witnesses who have been subpoenaed and because Rusty Harden said so, um, so we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. I, I have, if they're asking for Deshaun Watson's side of the story, I tend to think that, I, I don't think that that means he's in trouble. Um, that, but Rusty Harden seems to think that that's what it means, and he's a lot closer to this than I am. 5709000 is the number of Battleborn Israel Lawyers. Justin Watkins joins us every Wednesday. By the way, we're live here at the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Reno advanced in the 8-9 game, so uh, the pack will play Boise State tomorrow in the 1-8 game in the quarterfinals. And, of course, the Rebels are all set in the quarterfinals tomorrow with a 2.30 tip right here on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, the Brian Flores case uh, moves along here and uh, saw that his attorneys uh, sent out a release, a message, a statement saying that uh, they feel like the NFL, the Dolphins are playing uh, some tricks here, trying to move things into secret arbitration. Explain that. I, you know what? This is one of the more garbage statements I've, I've seen uh, in a little bit of time. Uh, they knew when they filed the complaint that the claim, some of the claims that they made are subject to employment arbitration if there is an employment agreement that provides for arbitration, which it does. They knew that. And so what their statement says is like, hey, this is the law, but we don't think it should be the law. And some other people agree with us that this shouldn't be the law. And they're trying to change the law. And we encourage the NFL to, to go ahead and waive all their legal rights because we don't like this law that we knew was coming when we filed the lawsuit. It's... <laughs> it's, it's, it's garbage. There's, it's legal garbage. Now, it might have a PR point of view to it but legally it's an absolutely garbage statement so what changes in this case if it ends up in arbitration versus going to a court of law oh well a lot of things you know the the amount of the the evidentiary threshold in arbitration is often much lower than what would be a formal jury trial, meaning a lot of formalities that you see in a jury trial are sort of cast aside and because the arbitrator is an attorney too. And they say, listen, 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 I know we're going to go to, you know, you're going to say this and you're going to say that and you're going to say this and you're going to say that. But we all know at the end of the day, this evidence is coming in and that evidence isn't coming in. So we're just going to put that evidence in and I'm just going to consider it. Right. And, and the arbitrator is going to get briefed thoroughly before any testimony um, which doesn't happen in a jury trial, right? The jury trial, quote unquote, briefing is opening statements. Uh, and that you don't have time to read that and reflect on it. You hear it once as a juror, and then you sort of start hearing evidence. So, um, you know, legal issues are much more likely to get resolved early. The process of the quote unquote hearing or trial is much shorter and much to the point. And 
the the likelihood that it gets overturned is is quite low based on on precedent which is that the courts don't want to interfere with parties that have agreed to an arbitration and an arbitrator has ruled and one party doesn't like it they they don't like to step in there unless there is clear bias um or such an egregious error that it is you know unethical basically to allow that award to stand justin Watkins with us all right we get an update on the kane velasquez case and if people didn't hear about this with the ufc former ufc heavyweight champion uh went vigilante with uh, a case where you know someone allegedly um, sexually abused uh, one of his kids uh, he rammed the car he actually shot the wrong person but he tried to shoot the accused and now he's been denied bail and i saw that the judge said um simply there's the risk is too great to release him now i i'll admit i didn't get to look up if kane velasquez has any other uh, criminal issues in his background does this surprise you that no bail at all it does not surprise me uh i mean I know the MMA world is coming out in support of Cain Velasquez, and and the you know the first thought that comes to mind is the movie the T- A Time to Kill, you know, which is a person getting off for the murder of the abuser or the killer actually of his child uh, on the basis of temporary insanity. But let's not forget what just happened, right? Mm-hmm. Cain Velasquez rammed a car full of five people and shot into the car and hit the wrong person. Do the people who are did not commit any of this these alleged atrocious things, do they deserve to die because they happen to be a family member with a dirt bag? That's what he he tried to kill. Maybe tr- it was his intention to kill one person, but he almost killed five people. And so the the apologists out there for Cain Velasquez, I think are missing the mark by by so much you can talk about there needs to be reforms and about whether or not bail is granted to people who have allegations against them for abusing a minor i haven't looked into that underlying case i don't know why bail was granted maybe they didn't have the proof that they thought that they that they needed uh maybe the case wasn't as strong uh as you know kane velasquez thought it was i don't know but you don't get to go shooting into a car full of people under any circumstances because even if that person is guilty of molesting your child, there's four innocent people in that car. And, uh, you know, so no, you, you can't give, let him out on, on bail. He'll go, he'll go try to kill this dude again. And who knows, who knows what other innocent people will, will be harmed along the way. So I'm not surprised by it at all. I'm a little bit perturbed by the, you know, the show of support for Cain Velasquez. It should be a show and a movement towards changing and reforming criminal statutes as it pertains to uh, sexual assault of minors, but it should not be for allowing um, somebody to commit attempted murder and get away with it because one of the people involved was a bad guy. Justin, sit tight. On the way back, Justin Watkins, our legal insider, is going to Give us an idea of uh, what is going on with Brittany Griner, how this can be uh, remedied so that Brittany Griner can be released from Russia and come back to the U.S. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. 
It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Back with Justin Watkins, legal insider here on ESPN Las Vegas. We're live at the Thomas and Mac. You can still get your tickets for the ladies' game tonight. Lady Rebels playing in the uh, title tilt, trying to get the auto bid, UNLVtickets.com, or just come on down here to the Thomas and Mac. Uh, before we get to all the serious legal stuff, Justin, your thoughts on Russell Wilson coming into the division. You're a Chargers fan. Are the Chargers and the Raiders now screwed because the Broncos are better? I mean, it doesn't make it easier <laughs> for the Chargers and Raiders to make the playoffs, I, I don't think. I mean, it's a significant upgrade. Uh, and I think, you know, for me, you know, the receivers, Judy specifically, in, in Bronco land, look, uh, have jumped up the, the fantasy draft board. I had Judy last year, and it was just a killer having him um, because I think he's super talented, and I think he's going to – I think he's going to have a great year with, with Russell Wilson. Anyone fired up on the show to get Drew Locke as a QB, too, if he were the starter for Seattle? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, there you go. Dead silence. Everyone in stunned disbelief that I would even ask that question. There's no upside at all to Drew Locke? Nothing? Zippo? Zero? With the genius Pete Carroll? Nothing? All right. Dude, did you listen to Ryan Harris yesterday talking about Drew Locke, giving us the insight from Denver about how the guy won't take coaching and how he thinks that he can get by doing everything he did the way in college? No, I, I don't want in on that. Thanks. All right, there's an answer, Justin. How about that? I agree. <laughs> I agree. There you go. All right, back to uh, some of the legal matters at hand. Uh, we just got done talking about uh, Brian Flores and also the grand jury on Friday with Deshaun Watson and on an update on Cain Velasquez. All right, what's his story with uh, the McDonald's ice cream machines and the tech company that is suing him for like $900 million? This is hilarious because, you know, what's funny is is we talk about at work <laughs> the, the ice cream machines at McDonald's and how I was talking to some of the people and say, you know, in my office and saying, oh, you know, my girls asked me to go to McDonald's. I'm not a fast food guy. Went to McDonald's, but I ended up with, an, you know, this is months ago, you know, Oreo McFlurry and you know I, I now need to go run it off and they were all like and I said and my girls got the, got the little cones of ice cream and they said their ice cream machine worked and I was like yeah it worked at the, at the McDonald's <laughs> yeah, I went to and they're yeah. like it doesn't work in our neighborhood there's no there's no ice cream machine at McDonald's that works if you ask for it it's it's known it's broken and and, and, it, and ever since we talked about that I see TikToks about it I see videos about it so it's kind of this running thing right that mcdonald's ice cream machines don't work and there's this company out there that says hey we had a fix to that and we showed mcdonald's we we signed a contract with mcdonald's we were going to supply this it was a fix and then mcdonald's basically slandered us said that oh no your your ice cream machine does not work it's dangerous we can't use it and then they reverse engineered it replicated it themselves and basically put the fix in and, and canceled out on the contract and so they're they're suing them uh for 900 million dollars and if what they say is right 900 million might be low damn i still think the whole broken ice cream issue is a ruse to begin with Right? Isn't it, just the, isn't it just the end of the shift and we don't want to freaking clean it or put new mix in? 100%. I think that that's right. what it is, too. Is it's that like how McDonald's, 
I was going to say, is that how McDonald's is going to get the, uh, the, the, the suit thrown out and be like, it's not even an issue. They're not broken. <laughs> That's funny. You know, my, they, they said that to my wife, I guess, when she went, uh, you know, this is a couple of months ago also with the girls and, and said, hey, we want ice cream. They're like, oh, we, you know, we think it's broken. It, it, you know, we're, we're on a change. It'd be like five, ten minutes. My wife's like, all right, I'll wait. Just give us the rest of the food. We'll eat it inside. <laughs> And eventually they got their ice cream. So I, I agree with you. I think it's a ruse. Justin Watkins with us. 5709000 is the number at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. All right, very serious story. What exactly is happening right now with uh, Brittany Griner? I'm, you know, I'm asking you like you're, uh, you have sources inside of Russia, but it's, um, it's a complicated situation, obviously. And then when we start talking international law and countries having to deal with each other, um, I just wonder how much trouble she's in. I guess apparently she's been locked up for three-plus weeks. She's in a lot of trouble. I mean, I, I don't know what was going on in her life or what was going on in her head that she thought it was a good idea to fly into Moscow during this time. Um, you know, I understand she was on a traveling basketball league, but holy smokes. And if what they say is true and that she had the oil for a marijuana vape pen, if that's true, then, then like I, I've got I've got no excuses for her. If that's not true, which is totally possible, I, you know I don't put it past the Russians to make up a charge. Uh, she's still in a tough spot because now she's leveraged. I mean, this has got nothing to do with international law. This is geopolitical issues now, right? This is this is Putin saying, "Hey, you're coming after all of our oligarchs. You're taking yachts and planes away, and you're putting all these sanctions on on me. And and now I've got one of yours. And so, you know, we're going to trade, and I'll, I'll give her back to you. But you're going to have to give me something. And what that is, maybe the United States is or is not willing to give. And in the meantime, she allegedly sits in a Russian jail cell and." Uh, you know, I, I just I just can't get over it. If this was a part of a traveling team and the team was flying into Moscow, like what is going on in their minds that that is a good idea right now? Whoever arranged that, whoever thought it was, if there was more than just her, uh, it doesn't sound like it, though. It doesn't sound like she was with a team because everybody because it's all allegations and nobody's confirmed. And the whole rest of the team would have been there and would have seen what happened. So. I don't know what the heck was going on and why she thought Moscow was a good idea, but it was clearly a bad idea, and um, you're not going to catch me flying to Moscow or St. Petersburg anytime soon. Let's close on one of the issues of the last couple of weeks. So we've got gas prices going through the roof. We get crazy lawsuits, class action lawsuits all the time, Justin, right, where groups feel like they're being cheated. Could there ever be a class action lawsuit going after oil companies for price gouging, uh, you know, considering the fact that you know they may have zillions of barrels of oil that they bought, you know, during COVID in reserve, and for some reason, we're reacting to what is happening right now and annihilating the entire country with gas prices. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's yeah. it's unlikely. I mean, it would have to be more facts than hey, that price is too high. Right. The reality is, is you can go in in back in the history all the way back to the, you know to the 70s uh, and before and gas prices have not increased along with inflation and so you know where we're at now is still below 
the inflationary levels from the 80s. I mean, the 70s were all out of whack, right? We had the, the energy shortage and oil shortages and gas prices were, what, like seven bucks is the stories I hear from my parents. Um, you know, and that's, you know, the big reason why Jimmy Carter wasn't reelected. All that's before my time. But ever since I can remember, um, even a $5 gallon of gas is still below inflationary prices. So just the idea that five bucks means something nefarious is going on, I don't tend to agree with. Um, but obviously, there are remedies if there is collaboration on price fixing, right? We have antitrust laws. Now, there's only so much the American companies can do when they're importing foreign oil and the foreign oil is being set at a price. They don't have to follow American antitrust laws. And so OPEC is is literally joined together to price fix. You know, it, it, as long as the American companies that are importing it and transporting it aren't doing something deceptive in raising those prices up, more than they're being raised to them, then I, I just don't think that there is an avenue for some sort of legal remedy. Will the Knights win tomorrow in Eichel's return? Yes. I'm going to say... Oh, okay. I'm going to say 5-3. Uh, wow. An explosion. Okay. All right. We'll hold you to that next week if you remember. Um, if it turns into a disastrous road trip, then, uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. You said seven points the rest of the way. They got to get seven points. They got to get five. All right. Now, I hope for seven. They got to get five. Five, seven, oh, nine thousand. Then I'll I'll just save a lot of money on playoff tickets. There you go. Five, seven, oh, nine thousand is the number. Justin, have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. There he is. Justin Watkins, our uh, legal insider, Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Remember, uh, once the brackets are out on Sunday, we've got our own March Mania Bracket Challenge at LVSportsNetwork.com. Register, and you get a chance to – Potentially haul in a grand prize package upwards of fifteen hundred bucks. It's brought to you by Finley Honda, IR Mac and Cheese, Sahara Las Vegas. You get a staycation at the Sahara Hotel Casino right here in Las Vegas. Free meals for a year provided by uh, iHeart uh, Mac and Cheese. Two tickets to an upcoming VGK game and a VGK player signed jersey. Plus, cash is thrown in as well. The bracket will be up on. Uh, Sunday in the evening, and you have all the way up until next Thursday to sign up. It's free to get in, free, free, free at lvsportsnetwork.com. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. In the front court, McCabe. Webster shoots another three and hits another three, and the Rebels have cut it to nine. Hamilton comes left side. Rice stops, pops for three, and oh, hits gosh. it. Timeout Rebels down three, 68-65. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Thomas and Mack. Thomas and Mack. Well, we'll see if UNLV can get the momentum back. That first half was not good at New Mexico, and we had a chance to talk to uh, the players involved and, and the coaches, and uh, they feel like they – We'll have the ship righted. Maybe that was a wake-up call, a little too chill with not a whole lot to play for against New Mexico. Game goes down tomorrow at 2.30 here at the Thomas and Mac. So we just had the uh, first half of the day completed. Check that, the first two-thirds of the day completed. Utah State, a winner. They move on to the next round, beat Air Force 83-56. And Reno was a winner against New Mexico in the first game. 
early, early, actually this morning at 11 a.m. start. Michael O'Donnell has been on the games all year long with uh, CBS, and he gives Adam Candy and Steve Cofield a couple of minutes, give his take on what he saw this year and what he expects in the tournament. What's up, Mike? How we guys doing, man? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're good, man. We're fired up. You know, we, uh, like you, watch the Mountain West Conference all year long. We know there's a, a ton of balance coming into this thing. Of all the teams you got to uh, see in person or, you know, call the games for, who did you think was the best team in the Mountain West Conference? Wow, that's a loaded question. I think, to me, it's a, uh, uh, the best team. I try to think about the most dangerous team that I would hate to play against. And there's three teams for me. It's, uh, it's Wyoming, I think, is still at the top. Colorado State second. And then, right now, the way they're playing, UNLV third. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, and I, I say UNLV, I'll, which, which I'll get to in a second, but I, Wyoming's offense is extremely difficult to guard because it's very, very different. There's a lot of European-style offense of analytics that Coach Jeff Linder um, utilizes, and they've got two players that play wildly differently than really any other team in college basketball, Graham E.K. in the middle. Um, he's a double-double machine. Average of 20 a game, 10 rebounds a game. And Hunter Maldonado is a six foot seven point guard who will initiate the fast break and he'll post up 50% of the time. And it's very weird and difficult to scout against. And so I think Wyoming is the most dangerous team. Um, I think Colorado State is probably the most talented team from top to bottom when they're hitting threes. And uh, it just it takes so much pressure off David Roddy. Isaiah Stevens is a big-time point guard. And uh, just just love Roddy's game. You know, obviously he's player of the year in the Mountain West, and he's tremendous. And they're a lot better defensive team than most people give him credit for. And then to me, I, I would I would hate playing against UNLV. I, I and it's it's that they, you know, just start to figure things out. You know, you've got so many new faces. You got a new coach, you got a new system, uh, and a lot of transfers. Uh, but nobody wants to play against Bryce Hamilton. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> Um, that is just, he's a player right now that is probably the most underappreciated scorer in the country. Um, I don't think I've seen a three-level scorer in college basketball quite like Bryce Hamilton. I mean, the last 10 games, he's averaging, I think it's like 27, 28 a game. It, it's a ridiculous stretch. Uh, he's shooting step-back threes a la James Harden. His mid-range and floater's really good, and he's so strong and he's so good at finishing around the rim. That's what you mean by a three-level score. He can score for those three areas. Unbelievably talented kid. And, uh, and I just, when you're talking about neutral floor, who you don't want to see, nobody has a desire to see Bryce Hamilton on a neutral floor. And the fact that it's in Las Vegas, it ain't exactly neutral. I would be terrified to be suited up against UNLV in this tournament. You know, we watch this conference all year long, and I think it makes us more inclined when it comes to March Madness to say you can make a legitimate case for four of these teams to get into the tournament as at-large, depending on who ends up winning the conference championship uh, title, of course. But who do you think is least able to absorb a loss here in the Mountain West, let's say in the quarterfinals, maybe even in the semifinals, if they want to be able to still be dancing next week? San Diego State. Yeah, they, they can't afford any wiggle room. Um, I think Boise State, Colorado State, Wyoming are in. I do, regardless of what happens. But San Diego State just didn't do enough early. You know, they had an opportunity against BYU, a uh, loss that's lost them by six. They beat a really bad Arizona State team by two. They, they beat a disastrous Georgetown team, and they couldn't handle USC and Michigan. 
And they have that one great, great win against St. Mary's, which is just, you know, when you, when you, if you're looking at the metrics, is a monster win. But there is no margin of error for San Diego State. You know, they need, you know, uh, if they, they're in right now, but if they lose their first game of the tournament, I, I, I think it might be on the outside looking in. And there's a lot that can happen. You know, Wake Forest losing today in the ACC, that kind of gives some breathing room for a team like San Diego State. But there's not much because I think it's, I think Mountain West is getting four teams in um, at an absolute worst case scenario. They're getting three teams in. But I, I think, you know, um, I, I think Colorado State. Boise State and Wyoming are locks. Candy, I'll ask you the, the question I asked Mike to start. Who do you think is the best team? The best team when it comes to being ready to get out of this tournament and go play. Just, just who the, next who the best? Who the best team is? It's impossible with this conference. Well, I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think it's impossible. Now, again, to Mike's point, you know, you, games you call, games you, you watch up closely. Mike, I don't know if you know this, but I, I'm uh, I'm on the UNLV broadcast staff, so I'm uh, I'm the sideline reporter. The games I got to see up close that were most impressive were San Diego State. It was just a bad matchup for UNLV. Yeah. Um, I think San Diego State has the most upside because of their defense. And the other thing, I they have a premium scorer in Bradley, and the other guy that I I don't think enough people gave credit to um, is Nathan Mensa. I to me, the guy who can cover yeah. one through five and doesn't have to worry at all about um, you know getting caught on a small. In a pick situation, I thought that guy was awesome. I know they're a bit offensively challenged, but their defense is so good. I think that travels everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the old saying, right? You can be shooting poorly, but your defense always travels no matter where you go. I actually, you know, Mintz is good. Uh, he he has some limitations offensively, yeah. but he's just an absurdly good defender. And I would I would agree to most of that point. I actually think the huge key for San Diego State is is Pulliam. Is I find when games when he loses when San Diego State loses I find that Pulliam plays passive, and when he's aggressive I think San Diego State is better, and I mean aggressive on both ends of the floor. I, I think his playmaking ability is vastly underrated, and I'm actually get kind of confused as to why he plays passive sometimes. And Bradley, when Bradley's going off, he's he's the second best, you know, second or third best player in the conference. But their point guard Trey Pulliam, when he is when he's dialed in, when he's locked in, when he is not playing passive, this is a remarkably dangerous aspect. If Pulliam played with the bravado of Baker Mazzara, look out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great – that kid is a powder keg all the time. And yeah, When no he's question. good, he's good. Yeah. But, man, sometimes he gets – he's a little bit of a knucklehead. Um, you know, I uh, actually stole one of your – I don't know what game you mentioned it in, but I really liked it, and I think it applies to UNLV. And I was watching one of the games, and someone had an open shot on the perimeter. And they passed up the open shot. And I remember you saying, hey, I had coaches tell me, you're actually hurting the team when you don't take open shots. And UNLV, to me, UNLV's chances, they have to play defense. they got to rebound. But it's other guys when the ball is kicked out, when Bryce Hamilton's being doubled and tripled. If they don't fire the ball when they're open, they're hurting the team. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of that falls on the shoulders, to me, of Jordan McCabe, who I think is having a great season. I think it's something that they just – uh, you know, uh, the Rebels haven't had for a while. I think McCabe is a true extension on the floor of Coach Kruger, but McCabe has not shot the ball well. When he is hitting, if he's hitting, if he's going two of five from three, I would prefer 
that he takes at least five threes a game. I think it not only just takes pressure off of Bryce, you know, and the offense, but what it does, it opens up more driving lanes for him, which he is such a fantastic creator and distributor. And to your point, you know, you want to be able to create shots for guys and be able to knock, you know, knock threes down. But you're right. The three-point shot, it's the hallmark of the game. It's the great equalizer, all those cliches. But if McCabe's a guy who's going two of five from three from here on out, it totally changes UNLV's offense, completely changes it. He's a fantastic distributor. He's an unbelievable leader. I, I love his game uh, when, he's, when he's sound and maybe not making every pistol feet pass that's, right. <laughs> that's available to him. Um, but when he, if he's two of five from three, you know, that's a beautiful thing for UNLV. I, that's something I'd watch for. Now, we do have to admit, you do like point guards who shoot. You were one of them. Um, when you played, yeah. what would you hit? I think 195 threes in your career. Um, now, speaking of point guard, I think he's coming along. I've always thought they needed a point guard, and that's why they fell short. You know, we mentioned all these teams in the Mountain West Conference. We really didn't break down the regular season champ that went 15-3. and three. Boise is a fascinating study in how to put a team together and balance. A great, great defensive team. Uh, there is zero flashiness to Boise. Um, uh, Dagenhard, a freshman of the year in the, in the Mountain West, is he's such a cool player to watch, right? Um, he just does, he doesn't do anything in spectacular fashion, but does everything really well. And that's a good example of Boise State, right? If you go down the metrics, it's not like they're just an unbelievable three point shooting team or an unbelievable passing team or just a phenomenal, de- they are sound in literally every single aspect. Um, my, my only concern is they're going to be fine. The, the, the defense is there. But when they are missing shots, you know, that, it can get really, really, really stagnant on offense. It's, you know, it, it's why they lost to UC Irvine in the second game of the season. They lost to eight to UNC Irvine. It's why they lost to St. Bonaventure by six, right? They only put up 50 against UC Irvine. They put up 61 against St. Bonaventure. And that. That is the Achilles heel for the Broncos. If their ability to manufacture points, and it's, they don't have to put a baby, but they need to be at a minimum high 60s, low 70s. At a minimum, when you're talking conference tournament time, NCAA tournament time, because they're going to be a you know middle seed, right? Maybe six, seven, eight seed. Um, if you win that first game, you're the eight seed. You win that first game in the tournament. You know who you're playing. You're probably playing a one seed. And so if you're not making shots, it doesn't really matter how good your defense is. Let's close on this. Uh, you're going to be calling the WAC final, right? What do you expect in that tournament over at the Orleans? Uh, the, the WAC is a really awesome conference. It's, uh, the WAC has uh, New Mexico State and Chris Jans. And if you remember, New Mexico State, is you know, they've won games in the tournament the last few years. Um, they're a really good team. Uh, they have one of the best scorers in the country that you haven't heard of, and Teddy Allen, uh, over 20 points a game. Um, they call him Teddy Buckets. And it, outside the Mexico State, there's about five other teams that can win it. Seattle probably has the best backcourt uh, in the in the WAC. Stephen F. Austin actually is a team that I think is going to end up winning it. I think they're the most sound and balanced team. And this is their first year in the WAC. They're, they're, they moved up a conference from the Southland, and they've got uh, a point guard center combo that is, electric, is really, really good in David Kensmeal and David Cackleree. And you also got Grand Canyon, who uh, you know, got, got, uh, got coached through there at, at Grand Canyon, Bryce Drew. 
So it's going to be really fun. I think it's probably be New Mexico State, Stephen F. Austin in the final. But, hey, man, they're paying me to sit down courtside and talk about basketball. You really can't beat it. I was going to say you're good to go on that one. Well, we appreciate the time. Really enjoyed your work all season long and uh, have fun calling the whack game. And thanks for joining us. Very kind of you to say. Thank you so much for having me. There's Michael O'Donnell, who played at Central Florida, been uh, broadcasting, kind of moving up the ranks, called a bunch of the Mountain West Conference games this year, and, and I meant that. He does a good job, real interesting listen during the games. Let's give away uh, some more tickets to the final of this men's bracket. Saturday it goes down, Saturday afternoon. UNLVtickets.com is where you can get your own tickets, but Ari's got a pair right now, 364-1100, 364-1100. And remember, Lady Rebels are going for the bid tonight. 7 o'clock. You can come down here. You can still get tickets. There's plenty of tickets remaining. It would be awesome to support the Lady Rebels by being in attendance. This is one of those chances. You know, we talk all the time about the home court advantage. You know, UNLV gets to play in their home arena. Take advantage of it tonight. Lindy LaRock and company have a chance to get the bid. And speaking of that, we're going to try to get uh, Lindy on here in the next five, eight minutes on a game day and a preview. This tilt coming up, title game, bid on the line against Colorado State. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.